1: All right, folks, thank you for stopping by the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I will have our guy, Jake Burns, on here in just a little while. Uh, we're going to do a quick uh, kind of look at the good and the bad of the Browns' victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. But welcome into the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. I hope your holidays have been as good as they can be, focused on the positives and everything. That you can be thankful for Including our Cleveland Browns being 8-3 and three. So we're going to get to Jake here In just a second But first let me talk to you about Indeed As you know and as we've talked about 2020 uh, has, to, has affected everything. It's already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. credit to boost your job post, which means more quality cans will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free seventy-five dollar credit at indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go to right now to Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Alright folks, as promised on uh, the Orange and Brown Report podcast, part of the 24-7 and CBS Sports Network. Uh, bringing in the best film guy in the game and my favorite guy in the world, Jake Burns. Jake, how you doing today, buddy?
0: Good, Jared. How are you, my friend?
1: Oh, you know, just trying to get through this... Uh an interesting holiday season, but you know the the team we cover and the team we love is eight and three, so that is always something that uh, is it's new. Uh, it's something a little different. So uh, let's just jump right into it, Jake. The the Browns uh, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty seven twenty five. Not exactly a pretty game. Um, so let's but let's start with the good. What did you see from this game with all the injuries on both sides of the ball uh, and both teams? What did you see from the, the film or from just the, the first watching that was good for the Cleveland Browns?
0: Um, the ability to create some big plays after catch. I was, I was encouraged by uh, Kevin Stefanski putting some guys in positions to um, address the yards after catch issues that I've seen. Jarvis obviously was a leader in that department. But there were other guys. Steven Carlson got involved. Uh, I, think, I think Richard Higgins had one, too. So, I mean, you just want to see them. Uh, creating some plays off schedule, right? Like, you know, I I can't have my offensive coordinator always be accountable for every single yard that you get. You know, you have to... Obviously, the Browns create out of nothing in the run game sometimes. They They have two running backs, and they block well enough to overcome, you know, the loaded boxes, and they have a running back in the backfield, no matter which guy they have, that can make a guy miss at the point of attack, and that's all the difference. Sometimes in the NFL, it's... You know, there's there's great schemes, there's great blocking, but but you know, Nick Chubb's stiff arm or 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 Kareem Hunt making a guy miss in the backfield is what springs a, a long run. So uh, they have those guys in the passing game. They have not created very many yards unexpectedly. Uh, noted it last week uh, in a piece about their, their – are in the the bottom of the NFL, the last place in the NFL in yards after catch. And they're pushing the ball downfield a lot, which is good. You know, they obviously want to have air yards. You want to throw the ball downfield. But you also have to have the ability to make some of those safer throws, right, make some of those safer throws that that result in giving your guys a chance to make some plays. And some of that's ball placement, which I thought, for the most part, we all know the misses that Baker had. Uh, that, that hurt them in some situations I don't need to delve into that all too much But there was there was solid ball placement On majority of his throws for the day Which was good and that resulted in some positivity uh, Creating after after the simple stuff So that's encouraging to me I need to see that, I need to see them have that ability So I like that And in my opinion that's, that's the best part of the day was, was, seeing, was seeing some of the passing game stuff Click and decent weather for the first time in a while And, and watching those guys pick up a little bit Out of nothing
1: yeah, and absolutely. You're exactly right when it comes to the running game. The Browns are able to make something happen quite often, and they're, they can be explosive. And even when they're not explosive, the two-yard gain becomes a four- or five-yard gain. And we need to see some of that out of the passing game where it's not catch-drop. Catch, you know, well, not just a drop, but meaning the, the tackle is made and the player is just dropped. And so that is exciting to see those extra yards, right? It's not always the, the 60, 70, 80-yard gain, but it is the extra five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yards that are really important as you noted in your piece last week uh, in the Yak. And so you're exactly right about Baker's missed throws. I thought it was really interesting. I've seen a video going around on Twitter of uh, Pat Mahomes' game against Tampa Bay, which I haven't seen uh, in totality. But it was an interesting one comparing some of his poor throws against Tampa Bay and some of Baker's poor throws. So just a real quick on that, do you feel like those three, four throws – pretty normal for an okay, good, decent quarterback, or are those unacceptable and shows the, that his ceiling is is probably quite lower than many fans want to see? So what do you think about those, those misses this week? Were they telling, or were they just interesting?
0: Three of the misses were bad. I mean, you know, you had the miss to Higgins where he just didn't see, and sometimes, listen, that that throw there is, is – the initial throw should have happened right after the the rub happened where Showbert and the corner both went with the uh, with the fade, and he's running – Higgins is running a kind of arrow route underneath it. He misses it initially, which, you know, I, I guess it happens. Every quarterback is going to have times where they miss something right in front of their face. But the throw where he gets his feet wide and he, he doesn't really get his base correct and misses it a little bit high – and uh, that can't happen that's a bad miss, man, especially not noticing too that you could have probably thrown that ball with three feet of loft and still completed it like there was nobody around Higgins, so it was a really tough thing to see uh but the the other three were were really bad. I mean, you gotta look at the next throw that they throw. they won one play in between um there it's a third down throw where they're throwing uh, a sprint out to the left, and if he puts it on um you know if he puts it on Jarvis's hands, he can probably reach out and score a touchdown so. On you know the compounds the first miss with the second miss uh, that the, the results in three points and those four points were vital late in the game as you know uh, so that throw was bad that's just a, that's that's high school football man sprint out throwing a a speed out two to three yard speed out is is simple stuff you got to get your hips turned you got to get your shoulders where you need them to be and, and put the ball in the right place and he, he he missed that one that one's bad he missed a a, a boot rollout to Jarvis who was five yards downfield. Uh, I think in the third quarter or the second or third quarter, uh, there was another bad miss, just a very simple throw. And then obviously the very last throw um, on that fourth and short where it's just, simple, <laughs> just simply rolling out from under center. That's It's a common NFL scheme where you down block everybody's sell that you're running and then kind of roll your back to the flat and your quarterback, you know, extends the football out of the uh, under center and, and throws it to him for an easy gain. Hell, the Jaguars did it in their own situation for an easy 15 yards right down to the five-yard line. And Baker just, just misses him. He throws it a mile behind him, and you could see the sideline was really frustrated with it. If you go back and you have the opportunity to watch the All-22, watch how the sideline reacts to missing that throw. It's, it's just like utter disbelief and frustration. So I think those, those throws are concerning. I mean, I, I know Mahomes missed a couple that they put on TV, but those were throws 30 yards downfield. Fifteen or sorry, twenty thirty yards downfield. That's that's different to me. I know Pat would obviously want to make those throws, but those are what Baker missed were simple throws, and they're still concerning. And it still tells me that he's he's way too streaky a quarterback right now. He made some great throws. I've highlighted them on the OBR film breakdown. He made some really great throws, but he also missed some some elementary throws, man. That that I'm sure he's pretty pissed about, and I'm sure that the, the coaching staff in in the moment is extremely upset about. So. Uh, just just have to just have to get better, man, have to be better in that situation. Yeah, and
1: I think uh, that's always been a really nice part about it, the All-22s. You get to see a little bit more of the game and, like you said, the sideline, how upset they were. Um, and, obviously, Hunt had some green grass to run. It's really interesting now that he hasn't been turning the ball over. Obviously, some of that is weather-related and all that, but he hasn't been throwing interceptions. But he still has some Brett him, where there's an inconsistency to his play. Now, it may not be gunslinger throwing interceptions and Wild all over the place trying to do too much. It, it can't just be, those those. those two- and three-yard, those five-yard, those kind of things. And so uh, definitely a lot of stuff to get cleaned up. I have been really impressed with his um, ball handling. I've I've seen a lot from him coming under center that that is continuing to impress me. But, again, you can be the greatest handoff quarterback in the world, but if you can't throw, uh, you know, a five-yarder, you're not getting there. So, that is that was your good just seeing the yak. Obviously, some of the bad is is Baker or the ugly. But was there anything else on film that you would categorize, categorize as bad uh, from the Browns, given all of the depletion with COVID and injuries, those kind of things? Were there was there anything on film that you would uh, put in the category of bad? Maybe not ugly yet, but bad
0: things that need improvement. Uh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I thought defensively they played well enough to win. They're shorthanded and but, but for the most part, they did everything that I thought they could do to win that football game. There's some really unfortunate breaks. you know if the Browns pick up that fourth and one fourth and inches they they run out the majority of the clock. they don't score that third touchdown and, and obviously they make that sack on fourth and ten um that, that that gives Jacksonville more life and all of that so uh you know i to me i i don't I don't have I don't have really anything too bad. I thought the defense played fine enough. They would have held him under twenty points if it wasn't for some some fluke stuff there. So I don't I don't have anything, man. I, I think they're overcoming, which is just crazy what they're overcoming um as as a unit to be eight and three. I mean it's not like the Browns have had I mean, they've had some pretty good health. They've not been depleted like the the Eagles' offensive line, or 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 some, you know, maybe even Dallas' offensive line, some other positions where teams are depleted. But, you know, they've lost Miles, they've lost Denzel, they've lost important parts of it. They, they lose Grant Delpit before the season. there have been, you know, Wyatt Tellers out for four weeks. They they've been dealing with things. They've had COVID list, uh, you know, situations as well. So, um, you know, I I think they're overcoming. We should be we should be very thankful, and I'm quite frankly just really impressed. That they have found a way to be seven or sorry eight and three through through all of this chaos and it's not just the chaos of losing people and losing you know the chaos of the week too which was offense and defense split practices because of this thing and the defense didn't really get a ton of time in preparation so but but again to to be eight and three and and you know even in a in an ideal season where you have all the normal time to to prepare is a new front office and a new coach and all of that, that'd be astounding. For them to do it in this situation, it's even greater. I know the schedule helps. I get it. But these are traditionally things we've seen the Browns lose. So it's really, really neat to see them figuring this stuff out. So I I don't really have anything to be all too negative about.
1: And that's always fun to have, right, is that you don't have to focus on too many negatives. I think it's going to be interesting at the end of the year to look at, uh, and I'm sure somebody's going to do this, probably not going to be me, but looking at total number of days missed, right? And so you're right, a a first-time new head coach, right? So even adding on to that, this is Kevin Stefanski's first go-around. This is Andrew Berry's first go-around. No training camp, very limited offseason. And I feel like they have had their – uh, they've had Berea closed four or five weeks at this point in time, or four or five different times, um, you know, just with, with actual COVID cases, scares, anything like that. And so just the amount of missed time for this team to prepare, you're right. They are 8-3, and three and they've had a somewhat easy schedule, but there are other teams on the field, right? The, the other team is getting paid to play as well. And the other teams, until really the Jacksonville, Philadelphia had, had their injuries, were had their health as well. You know, they 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 were playing for something, um, maybe just pride. So let's look forward then. So obviously everybody can be very excited about eight and three, but we know what is ahead of the Browns, including uh, the three game or the yeah the three more difficult games: back to back Tennessee, Baltimore, and then at the end of the season with Pittsburgh. Let's start with just Tennessee and just stay with Tennessee for today. Is there a way, as you look at it, that the Browns have an answer for Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, that that those two beasts of players on the offense? Do you see an answer or an ability for the Browns
0: to, to slow down or stop that offense? I mean, they've been stopped. I mean, they've, they've lost to Cincinnati. They've lost some games. They've been stopped. They have to get pressure on Tannehill when he's forced to throw. Um, you know, the the thing is it's different than week one of last year. A lot of people have brought that game up, but but they they have a much better quarterback situation in Tennessee now than they did when they came to Cleveland all that all that time ago. But uh for the most part to me, uh I mean I see this situation is, is uh is is one in which I think they have an opportunity to win, but they have to they have to play downhill. They have to play aggressive in the run game but also have to know some tendencies, when they like to run play action, what that play action looks like so that they don't have tight ends running down the field wide open, uh, especially <laughs> Jonah, Johnny Smith. They, I mean, they have opportunities. I'm interested to see how they handle A.J. Brown. Den- Denzel Ward does not handle bigger physical receivers very well. He's traditionally not played them well, uh, just to have given him a little bit of trouble and, and creating satura- separation at the at the catch point in some of those things. So, um that that I wish I wish Denzel was playing because I'd like to see uh how he would handle a j Brown now kind of Denzel playing at his healthiest, but um yeah, I mean listen Tennessee's good they're very sound, they have balance in their offense, especially when they get the football rolling on the ground the browns have have had respectable run game numbers, and that's because they've played from out in front for so much this year. Uh, when teams challenge them in the run game, like with a talented running back like James Robinson, we saw they, they can they can have issues. So they have to collectively tackle. They have to gang tackle. They cannot miss uh, a ton of tackles. You know, we obviously know how good Indianapolis' run defense has been, and they were embarrassed at the point of attack. So, um, listen, I don't think Tennessee is all too, all too great at, at, as far as individual offensive line talent goes, but they do know how, just like, uh, you know, the, the group running the Browns offense, Stefanski, Bo Callahan, Alex Van have a great feel for how to adjust run games throughout the game. They do a really nice job of that over there in Tennessee as well throughout the game, figuring out places in which they can take advantage. So they need to be varied in their looks up front, some bare front, some 4-3 front, some, some sugared A-gap front, some different things to make Tennessee's blocking confused and, and play at the line of scrimmage or find ways to get behind the line of scrimmage. Run blitzing. No they have not been a big run blitz team they need to run blitz in terms of like Hey, we think they're going to run on first down. Let's send people in the gaps. They are, the linebacker group that they have, I think, is just a, a beat or two slow in getting downhill when they do read run. So don't be afraid to send them. Don't be afraid to say, "Hey, we're going to send the Mike and Will here, and that gets them. That forces those linebackers to play downhill and meet linebacker or meet the running back on this side of the line of scrimmage instead of their own side, where that run turns into five, six, seven yards instead of maybe two or three. So you got to get Tennessee in third down passing situations if you can get them in the passing situation you have a chance to beat them. Uh, we'll see if they're able to do that. But, yeah, this is a real test, man. Like, this is a significant test for them, and, and I'm, I'm quite fascinated to see how they're able to rise up and meet that test. So, uh, yeah, just needless to say I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm I'm intrigued to see if they've learned any lessons from the Raiders game where the the big Raiders offensive line just kind of leaned on the Browns and just kind of pushed them around and, you know, used their beef against them. I think with Ward it would have been interesting this week if this was a week where they put – Uh, Ward on the other side or with the other receivers and then look to shade the safeties whether it was Joseph Sandejo or whoever towards A.J. Brown with Terrence Mitchell more in that coverage area whenever it was man because you're right Denzel Maybe it's not always the taller ones but it's the stronger uh, receivers who can can really cause him problems it'll be interesting to see how the Titans offensive line misses Jack Conklin um, and if you see a little extra fire in his belly this week all right, Jake, appreciate having you on, man. Um, you know, we, we're going to continue to keep our conversations going as we're excited for the rest of this season. Uh, so, brother, thanks for coming on, and I hope your Thanksgiving goes well, folks, thanks for coming on the Orange and Brown Report. Hope you uh, feel good about that Jaguars win, right? Like Jake talked about those couple bad throws from Baker. But the rest of it, given everything going on, was pretty excited about it. Um, I think uh, his preview of Tennessee's offense, uh, one of the things he didn't mention that him and I have talked about a number of times already on the podcast, though, so, um, is really how the Browns' offense is set up to limit the other team, right? And so as you talk about, um, you know, how are the Browns uh, going to deal with Derek? Henry? Henry and A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill and and John Smith and all of those guys. One of them is, one of the ways he's going to do that is um, by the Browns' offense, right? So um, being able to stop Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb is going to be something that would have to be really impressive. And so one of the ways the Browns are going to be able to be in this game, maybe even control this game, is is their offense is going to help control Tennessee's offense. And I think that's where things are going to be different uh, and need to be different than last year, where the Browns' offense couldn't control anything because they were just trying to throw the ball all over the place uh, under Freddie Kitchen. So 8-3, and three, a great uh, place for the Browns to be at this point in time as we go into the rest of the year. Uh, So like I told you guys, uh, still kind of in transition, Uh, so I'm I'm currently not in uh, my main office where I'm normally doing this from. Hoping that tomorrow night I can get Fred on and we can kind of be right back on track and then see if we can get Steven on sometime this week. Um, he's had some issues as well as my own issues uh, that our, our scheduling just hasn't worked out. So um, before we finish up, as always, bet online. Uh, football is back in full swings. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses. Hey, they're so good on them out, you need to step in them. So go get them. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Online today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word, online, your online sportsbook expert. Thank you guys for stopping by. I hope you have a great rest of uh, your looks like we're going into Wednesday, December 2nd. So we are in December. Hopefully you are recovering from whatever you decided to do or didn't do for Thanksgiving and getting ready for whatever you are going to do or not do for Christmas. I hope you uh, take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.